This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. When I was young... In order to communicate my benign apathy towards basically any authority figure, most often my older sisters, I would look at them, roll my eyes, shrug, and say, who cares? I don't care. Their anguish at having to watch over me, corral me, was apparent, and usually at this point they would threaten me with reporting my insubordination to our parents. And that always gave me pause. Evidently, I cared more than my rebellious self would allow myself to admit, even when I uttered my smart-ass retort of, who cares? I don't care. As I got over and matured a bit, I made myself a promise. I would never again use the phrase, I don't care. Today, I've come off my self-imposed moratorium to inquire honestly, who cares and why? Who cares about food insecurity for children, senior citizens, working families, veterans, people who are disabled? The answer can never be, I don't care. It's no secret I care about food security. It's my job to care. That's why I'm here. And I don't mean my job as an employment. I mean it as my purpose. I suck at not caring. So to help Jerry and me answer the who cares question, I've asked a friend of mine who is smart, successful, retired, a man of faith and family, and who leans on the more conventional conservative side in his beliefs and listens to our show almost every week. Yes, he cares. His name is Doug Obersky, and he joins Jerry and me as we explore why everybody should care about what we care about. A food secure Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jerry Brisson joins me. Jerry, great to see you on the Zoom call. And, yeah, it's um, been our habit for a while now, but uh, but it works, and uh, you know it saves you having to sit next to me. I miss that. I drove by the. Fisher Building and the Golden Tower, where WJR is headquartered yesterday, and I was like, man, I miss being there. And then when uh, when my wife, Christy, found out who our guest was today, she was like, oh, I wish that he could come to the top of the Golden Tower and do the show right there. But we'll make that happen again soon. And so without further ado, let me, uh, let me introduce Mr. Doug Obersky who is my uh, part-time golf partner and my full-time friend. And uh, he's, uh, he's our guest today and has a pretty unique story, Jerry, that we haven't really explored on our show yet, and that is from a listener perspective and point of view. So, Doug, well, welcome to I'm... Food First. Here we Hello. go. Hello, guys. It's, it really was an honor to get the call from... Uh, my friend Phil asking me to participate in this program because I, I am a huge fan. Um, the show is very uh, informative. It's been very enlightening for me. It's been very entertaining. And um, 
I mean, with Jerry's laugh, it's like having Ed McMahon on the show. I mean, every time I hear him laugh, I laugh. It doesn't matter what the topic is. I just crack up. So, yeah. Yeah, we thanks. get a little, you know, we get a little slack for that because, you know, I mean, we're the stuff we're talking about is pretty serious, and it's got a lot of people's lives wrapped up in it, in it and around it and through it. But, you know, if you know Jerry and I very long, we're not going to do something without it being fun. And, uh, and you know, we, we really think that this problem can be solved. And when you start from that positive mindset, then it leads you to places that are, that are truly positive, even with a lot of negative challenges. So, Doug, great, man. Thanks for listening. I know you, 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 you time your trip from the north to the south sometimes on Sunday night so you can hear, uh, you and Tammy, your wife, can hear this show. And so, uh, wow, thanks. <laughs> you know, yeah. and list shows are no fun at all, but I really do want you to list your favorite shows from the top. You know, do your top ten, and then remind us what we talked about on those shows. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, I don't <laughs> think me and you could do that. <laughs> I started to do that over the last couple of days since Phil called me, um, and I had trouble remembering them all, but uh, I, I do have a few incidences that uh, sparked my, my memory, I guess. Uh, well, well, I think well, we'd like to hear a little bit about you. I mean, what you know, just a little bit about you and, and, and what you've been doing in your life and, uh, and you know, what made you who you are. Yeah, I, I really come from humble beginnings. I mean, a family of five. I was the fourth. Um, three sisters in a small, you know, 1,500 square foot house with one bathroom. I always kid people when I talk to them about the situation that I, I probably went to the restroom outside more than I did inside growing up <laughs> with three sisters. Um, but it was a very faith-based family. I mean, my parents were very uh, Catholic-oriented. We everything revolved around that in in my life. Um, church and catechism and the sacraments and my mom was always making food for the church for some event um a ladies auxiliary she was always making food if it not for the church for neighbors i mean it's just that kind of small farm community um and my grandma and aunt and uncle lived right next to me right next door in a big farmhouse and they had eight children so it was like 13 kids growing up and we always had huge gardens and we shared food so Food was always pretty important, and uh, you know we were we were never rich, but we never went without, and everything um, had value. I mean, my mom. I tell people my mom would cut. She'd take the Morton salt boxes and cut it in half to get every grain of salt out of it. I mean, that's that's the kind of the people we were, and that's how I was raised. And you ate everything on your plate. Um, there was never many leftovers. I mean, the food just got eaten and. You ate everything. And still today, I struggle with that. I mean, I go to a restaurant, and I want to eat everything there, you know, because my mom would always say, there's people starving in this world. Eat, eat, eat your food, you know? So it's always been a big thing. But So that's kind of the background of where I came from. And then I lived in this small little farming community, went off to college at Western Michigan, and wow, what an eye-opener, you know? You went from this small community to this more global kind of um, you know, I didn't get to the big cities much growing up. We'd go to a sporting event once or twice a summer or a Lions game or a Tigers game, and that'd be about it. We'd go there and come home. So I wasn't exposed to this whole bigger 
ecosystem that was out there, you know? And I remember going on a vacation too, and our vacations were running a motorhome. We'd all jam in this motorhome, five kids and our parents, and we'd go to Florida. But one time we came up the East Coast and went to DC and went to New York. And I remember seeing homeless people for the first time laying on the streets. And it just had a huge impact. I can still remember today laying on a piece of cardboard and it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And so you have those conversations like, wow, you know? And you go to college and you see all this information coming at you, you never knew and you knew this, oh, there's a competition out there. I mean, there's people as smart as me, you know, and smarter. <laughs> And they're really tough, and they're no, good. Doug, they're... No, Doug, no, that's that's not right. We don't want to mislead our listeners. <laughs> not not possible, Doug. But but we'll we'll understand it was your impression. Yeah, and it's funny. <laughs> you get the classes like really. I had a class called Religions of the World, coming from this devout Catholic. I really didn't know of Buddhism and Muslims and all these different things. And you really your your religion came a lot later than some of these other ones. And it was just a really an eye opener. Um. So then you go, you go to college, you go to work, and I'm, a, I'm an electronics automotive guy my whole career, but you get into global teams and you get into going overseas. You, you know, I had an opportunity um, to go to Singapore and to Japan and to China and work with teams there. And, and I don't know how many times I've been to Europe and to Mexico. It's you know, Belgium and Switzerland and Germany and Netherlands and you you get to meet these different people and different teams and you see where they live and you see what their struggles in life are and it just broadens your whole perspective um, and then you're involved in your church and raising a family and my wife actually works at a church so I'm pretty involved in our, our Catholic Church in the Novi area and you you just it's it's kind of a, a Ritz community I mean there's a lot of money we you wouldn't believe the amount of money they take in on a weekly basis at least pre-pandemic and so you see that and then you see wow we have a this huge food pantry what's going on with this food pantry and there's people they're feeding every week in novi michigan and it just opens your eyes that there's there's hunger going on right around you there's food insecurity right around you and it just it's it's very humbling it's very eye-opening and so you just want to enlighten people with that word and then i meet dr phil and he's got this program and putting the spotlight on this thing because there's people that don't don't know this they don't know that it's happening right in your own community you don't have to go very far to see it and so i was always taught charity starts at home i was raised that way you take care of your local neighbors you take care of your church people and so you see it you don't have to go overseas to see all this these things going on you, you there's things to do right in your your area so you guys got the podcast and you got social media, so I'm trying to hit that to enlighten people and listen to the podcast. And I can't believe the things you guys are doing, really. I mean, with the companies, the cherry farmers, the milk people, it's truly encouraging and amazing. And I applaud you. And so, Jerry, what about Doug's story and the values and and how it message? And is there a way that we could clone him? <laughs> <laughs> So you know what it's uh, I would say just to just to say you you learn right and then from what you've learned you you plan to do some things and some of those things differently based on what you've learned and then you do it right and then you get the work done and so much of what we've been about as we've been you know doing the show and bringing the guests on and talking about this issue is a to help people learn and it's so nice to know that uh, that it's also a little bit entertaining. <laughs> 
We hope so. We hope so. That's that's you know one of our master plans to keep people listening. But but you know we want people to learn because there are so many things that unless you take a minute to think about it and and then learn about it, you just don't know. And it's like you said, Doug, if you're not exposed to it just naturally, well, how would you know? You know, you, you just wouldn't. So it's so important to make sure that people know who's hungry and, and why they're hungry and what things are happening in their life that, that have gotten them to a point of asking for help. But then, then you plan, you know, and so many of our guests have been people that we've planned with, people from healthcare, farmers, the milk industry. As you said, the, the folks growing cherries even, you know. There's so many people that want to see this solved and that believe like we do things like there's two words that should never go together, child and hunger. They should never go together, right? And people are motivated. They're motivated to to do something. And so we've got to give them things to do. We got to help people understand that that you make a plan, but then there's things to do. And sometimes it's given five bucks, right? You don't have to be a millionaire to make a difference. Every five dollars makes a huge difference. That can be 20 meals for our hungry neighbors, right? And and so you you learn and then you then you plan with people who hopefully are smarter than you are and then then you then you act right you do all those three things and and we hope that we cover all those things on our show Let's all take right. a quick break we'll come back with jerry brisson doug oberski i'm dr phil knight we're back in just a moment contact the food bank council of michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson rejoins me and our guest, Doug Oberski, who is, uh, I don't know, I guess you're Doug, you're up for the listener of the year for <laughs> Food First Michigan. And, uh, I didn't know we had that award, but I guess we're going to have to have it now. So uh, <laughs> it's great to have you. Appreciate your perspective and your comments in that first segment with us uh, about your your background, your faith, your family, and why. You know, and just kind of the the some of the realizations that have come about. And so, Jerry, I know when we stopped that last segment, you had a question that was uh, that you wanted to pose to Doug. So take take it away. Well, it's so it's so good to remember that the vast majority of people aren't the the experts from healthcare who are working on the social determinants of health or people who are counting the food out in the field to figure out what's left over after the harvest. I mean, most people are, you know, auto electronics people who are just going through their life and going to church and raising a family and and it's wonderful. It's what's it's the fabric of our society. So so as you know, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear your perspective and I'm really interested in as you think about the show have there been things that have come up like as a surprise have you gone wow that that was really surprising or shocking um you know just just to just you know a perspective on that yeah there's been a couple things since i got the call from from dr phil about being on the show i was thinking back on on the highlights that i I can remember um even being the old guy i am these things pop back into my head but i hear dr phil occasionally mention and measure food by tons you know he said yeah we were serving this many tons of people before the pandemic now it's doubled we're like this many tons of food and i'm like tons of food 
I mean, it's amazing the amount of food that gets processed through the Food Bank of Michigan. And that's just, that's Michigan. So that was a big shocker. And then there was a doctor, um, a medical doctor, MD, that, that Phil had on one time. And he was, he was talking about food and how it's so connected to medicine. And it was, it was so intriguing. It was such a great guy. Have him on again, by the way, Dr. Phil. That guy was fantastic. I can't remember his name because I'm old. But he was talking about how sometimes they, you prescribe medicine and you're supposed to take it with food. And then it's like, wait a minute, this, this guy is food insecure. He doesn't have food. So how do people take, even take med, taking medicine is a problem. And then he, he made a comment. He said, well, you know, you know, Dr. Phil, he said, food is the best medicine. So it's like you have to have nutritious food in order to really survive. I mean, that's you don't eat. Sometimes you don't even need medications if you can eat properly. And so he's making that point. And those are two things that just stuck in my mind: the amount of food, and that food can be a medicine. I mean, it, it, we look at it that way. You'd eat a lot more healthy. Um, well, I think we're all on that path, right? I mean, and, and as we learn more just about our own bodies and what we have to do to have a good retirement, right? If you're, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's going to be a bigger struggle. And we know that one of the biggest reasons that people come to get emergency food is because they're managing a health concern and it's expensive and it's time consuming. And so if you're already nearly poor, if you're, if you're that close to it, and then you have to manage something like diabetes, which can cost hundreds of dollars a week, and it can take time to, to, um, to mm. you know, just go to your appointments and, and get the things you need. And then if you run out of food and your blood sugar gets all haywire, I mean, it's a, it adds a deep, deep challenge to somebody's life. So I'm, I'm glad it popped out. I mean, that it is a really significant reason why we do what we do to, to try to take care of people, not just not just in one way, but in these multi-dimensional ways, because life is multi-dimensional, whether we like it or not, right? Yes. I mean, for sure. So I, I, I think that was probably Doc, Dr. Bouvier. Um, yeah, I, I that believe was, that was his name. Yeah, that was probably yeah. Doc Bouvier. Um, fantastic. Yeah, it sounds, you know, he quotes uh, Hippocrates all the time, you know, food, let food be thy medicine. Yep. Um, he's got it hanging in his office, you know. Yep. So it is a definite um, core value for for Doc for sure. Um, so Doug, one of the things that I wanted to share with you is that when you're promoting the show via social or with your friends or you know our um, our golf buddies or friend, you know, brothers, sisters, all every you know, what's some of the reactions you get? Uh, I mean, is it is it a reaction like, well, why should I care? Why, you know, why, why does this matter to me? I mean, what what are some of the reactions you get when you say, hey, have you guys listened to Jerry and Dr. Phil? In in my crowd of people, there's a general interest in food security for Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. When they some people don't think it's a big deal, they go, "What do you mean? I mean, we don't have a lot of poverty. Maybe in Detroit, you know, some, or maybe in the UP, but." But I say, no, it's not. I mean, it's right in your backyard if you look deep enough. And that's what this show is highlighting. And uh, if, you, if you understand it, um, if, if you understand that there's a need out there, then you can go and try to, try to do something to help it. You know, and, and there's something you can do probably right in your own church or right in your own school or right uh, you know, an organization, the food bank near you. 
Um, so it gets into more of an education. Uh, most people are inquisitive and they, well, what's it about? You know, how, how, what can I do? And I said, just listen and maybe, maybe you'll learn something. Um, maybe there'll be a takeaway that'll drive you in a certain direction. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, the questions are, they range depending on who it is, you know? Right. Most people, most people say they're interested. Do they do anything about it? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, maybe they just don't want to offend me and say, I'm not going to do that. But usually it's positive and they want to take the initiative to try to learn something. And I would say in general, there's interest in, in curiosity and wow, there's that much hunger in Michigan. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And in my neighborhood, in Novi. Yes, yes. Well, and therein lies one of the things that makes it so challenging. You know, people who are struggling don't want you to know. You know, they don't want you to know because they're proud, and they should be proud. I mean, our our individual pride in ourselves is one of our best tools for success, right? We've got to believe in ourselves, and when you got to stand in front of someone and say, "I need help," it's a really hard thing to do. And so, um, so that's why people don't know there's someone close to them, right? A, a family that goes to their school or their church or you know what I mean you just even I, I I know this for a fact a lot of people who need help end up volunteering at pantries because they mm-hmm. know how important it is and they know how much it helps or help them and so but you well, know you don't have that conversation right it just doesn't right. happen so so yeah that's I think why a lot of people's first reaction is really you know because yeah. you just yeah. don't see it right yeah well, that's a very good point, Jerry. And I, I can tell you, you know, I've had an, my own personal experience um, that put me in a dire straits. And maybe that, that's something I left out of my background, like in the, the recession of 2008, 2009. Um, mm-hmm. The company I was working for was a private company. I decided to do a little different path in my career and join this private small company. And they ended up going bankrupt. And so I got a call, I was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, visiting my daughter in, in her master's program, and my son was in college, and they said, hey, you know, this it was the owner of the company, he said, we're closing our doors, Bank of America's taking over, and by the way, you don't have any health care, so don't get in an accident on the way home. So I had no health care, no salary, just boom, you know, and where do you go to find a job in 2008, 2009? So, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, I started cutting expenses like crazy. You know, there's no cable. There's no internet anymore. There's you got to go to the library to do that kind of stuff. I I went to my next door neighbor and said, "Hey, you want to share garbage? You know, I, I don't want to pay my my garbage collection fee anymore." So, um, you know, there's a very thin line between um, a successful person in in getting in a situation where you you need you need help. You know, I remember going to my barber and in going to pay him and he said hey Doug I know you're not working right now just just forget it you know when you get your job back you know so it was it wasn't easy times you change your you change your eating habits when those situations happen you know you're definitely not going out to dinner and you're eating more eggs and more hot dogs and those kind of things so I can see where um, food insecurity starts to affect your health you know you're not eating the same things you should be and so yeah, I, I personally experienced that, so I think maybe that's also part of the background where, hey, sure. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's real, it's happening, it's happening around us, and we need to be cognizant of it and do whatever we can to put a spotlight on it and drive the help wherever it's needed. 
Doug, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's a that's a it's a moving story about your own. You know, who? How could you know, right? You you do your best to plan. You do everything right. Your kids are in college. You're you're you know what I mean. And all yep. of a sudden, you're like, wow. Even after doing everything right, I still ended up in a place where I had to make some serious adjustments. And for some people who take a very very long time to find work again. Um, you know, they start needing help, and we've seen a lot of that during the pandemic, right? The, Absolutely, the, the, yes. You know, the there have been a lot of people who've lost their job, and and so many people don't have any substantial savings, and so you know, it's it's easy to point a finger when you can't put yourself in their life, but when you you compare it to your own life, you realize, gosh, there's not so much different than maybe I thought with some of the people who are right. coming to get a trunk full of food because it's going to help them get through the next two weeks or, or, you know, exactly. or however long they need. And so that's, you know, obviously we are inspired by the people we help. And I, and, and it's, it's what keeps us wanting to do this work because it's so many good people who are, you know, heroes in many ways in their life and yet they need help. Yeah. You know, and we don't right. we don't tell stories that way. When we look in our in our books of heroic figures, it's all people who manage to figure it out. But in the meantime, there's people who are figuring it out, but need some help to get through these struggling times. And they will be a hero, and they are a hero even now. Yeah. Well, we get inspiration from the people that we serve, but we also now get inspiration from the people who listen. So, Doug, I have to tell you. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for coming on the show, uh, jumping through all the technological ho hoops uh, <laughs> to get with us today. But most of all, thanks for caring. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Keep up the good work. I really love your show. Uh, it's, like I said, entertaining. Jerry, keep the laughs. Uh, <laughs> I remember one other one other episode. Dr. Phil had some stats guy on from U of M. It was getting pretty deep and heavy, and then I heard you laugh, and I'm like, okay, everything <laughs> everything's good in the world. <laughs> well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate that, and uh, you know, I, I I swear to God, you know, I, when when I say I have a face for radio, I, I hope it's a voice for radio too. <laughs> that would trade your laugh for anything. Hey, Jerry and I are going to be back for the show in just a moment. Doug, thanks for being with us. We'll be back in just a moment. You come back and be with us, too. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Jerry, um, some pretty, um, I don't know how to describe this. We, we, we're, we're talking to Doug Obersky, who obviously is a man who cares. But you know what? Our, we have a whole network of people who care. Yeah, it was great to hear Doug's story, too, and nice of him to share some of the hardships that he's faced in his life, because it's good for us to remember that even people who you look at and go, oh, gosh, they've been, you know, blessed in every aspect of their life. You don't always know there's a backstory where there was some struggle and some need to really rethink some decisions and, you know, regroup and start life over. And, and so many of the people that we've seen during the pandemic fit that story. And so we're really, um, really grateful to be reminded 
of, you know, just the dynamics of this work, but also encouraged by someone who listens to us. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, you know, how could I not feel encouraged by someone who makes a point of spending every Sunday night with us, doctor? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's the first time we've had a listener on the show and, um, and I think he's the right one. And again, his story from, from the hardship of 2008 and 2009, but also his observation that, that there's, there's people struggling with food insecurity in Novi, a pretty right. affluent area of Michigan. Uh, and it reminds me of the study that we did some years ago where we, we looked at um, food insecurity across zip codes. And we found that even in the, the, uh, uh, the neighborhoods of the DeVos, of, of, of those type of very, very, very affluent people, we still found significant food insecurity within their, their zip code, within their range, within their legislative district, right under their noses. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. So true. And if you, you know, look at kids count or any of the data about kids who are getting free and reduced meals in school, you'll find kids in every single school district needing free and reduced lunches. And that means their families are at 180% of poverty or less. Now, you know, 180% of poverty, what is that? You know, poverty line is $24,000 a year for a family of four. Yeah. Yep, I mean, twenty-four thousand and change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you know, you you can say the words, but when you start to put the numbers to it, you say, "All right, twenty-four thousand dollars a year. That's two thousand dollars a month. You take rent out of there, and it it winnows down to nothing else pretty quickly." So, you know, um, the 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 it, again, it's really good to be reminded of all that we don't know about the people who are right in our own communities and and that's why we care so much i mean you know the the theme of the show doctor is is caring and and to bring a guy like doug on who clearly cares it's a powerful testament and it and it also brings to mind for me the meeting we just had with our other uh fellow food bankers about how do we care for everyone in Michigan? And, and there's so many different circumstances. You know, Doug mentioned the UP and what they're going through up there and the challenges that are faced by people living in the UP are different than the challenges even faced, you know, just south of the bridge. And then those are different if you get a little bit further west or east. And then those are different when you come to the bigger urban areas. And yet one thing we have in common is there should be no reason why child and hunger ever go in the same sentence, right? We have that in common. We, we can't let any group be forgotten or neglected because we didn't care enough, right? And so we, we're working so hard as an industry right now to figure out how do we make sure every single person in our community throughout the state of Michigan who is food insecure has access to healthy, nutritious food so that they can get to their next success in life and do the things that they know they need to do and want to do and are willing to do to, to be, um, you know, well, the best they can be. Well, you're right. And, you know, I, I, we, we talk about the, uh, your uh, colleagues. They, they are the CEOs of the, uh, the other six um, food banks that serve all of Michigan's 83 counties. And we came together in a, what we called as a blueprint meeting, uh, a blueprint on how do we create a food secure state. 
and and we we had some conversations about how do we develop a strategy to approach this work on a statewide scale and who are the right partners to help us do that well one of the themes of this show um since the beginning has been how do we change the conversation about food insecurity and then you know we we talked about we wanted to uh build commitment to a movement to create a food secure state and we probably forgot the middle step there jerry and i think i think the show today is about that and that is while we're changing the conversation and we're building commitment we have to cause people to care they have to know and it's amazing to me the more people we talk to that food insecurity has touched their lives at some level if not their own personal lives like doug but maybe their their brother or their sister or their cousin or the home that they were raised in like when donna murray brown was on the show uh, it was is just so widespread in all of our studies but also in all of the stories that we hear. Well, and it, it for me, it harkens back to my early days working at the Capuchin Soup Kitchen and eating lunch with the people who were coming to get help and how often I was, um, you know, learning more than I was teaching by far, just mm -hmm. listening to people's lives and listening to their stories. And, I mean, I will admit that I like people in general. I like their stories. I like working with people. I I really enjoy uh, being around lots of people in, in lots of different situations. But uh, those those days are, are really formative for me in this work because if I learned anything, it's how much people deserve the help they get. And, right. and that, you know, the, it's, it's not like what you might think. And it's also not necessarily, you know, the guy that says we'll work for food on the side of the road. That's such a small percentage of the people we help. There are so many single moms with kids who know how to clip coupons, who are doing everything they can to get food in the best possible way for their families. And they're embarrassed that they need help. But here's the thing. If you had to live on what they're living on, you would go, how are they doing this at all? You would be impressed by how industrious they are and how smart they've been to get this far with so little. And there's right. so much inspiration to be had among the people that we help. And it's not the story that people hear a lot. No, it's not. I wonder how many of them are cut in the middle of a Morton salt box out. Uh, like Doug shared with the family he grew up in and the and his mom would do. They're they're doing what they have to do and what they can do. And that makes everybody, I think, worthy of investment to come alongside yeah. of them. I so, mean for sure. Well, Jerry, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap up this show. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're excited to be with you. Glad you're with us. We're back here on Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with you. And Jerry, we're always using the phrase, come alongside. We want to come alongside of the people that we serve and help them um, by creating food security, helping them create food security in their life so they find their next success. But, you know, we got folks like Doug who are on the show today that are coming alongside of us. And right. so, it, you know, it's pretty encouraging, you know, I mean, again, I'm, 
it's just excited to hear from somebody who listens to the show and um and is inspired by it um and and has has caused him to care more about his own hungry neighbors and i think it's another truth that keeps us going right that the more people you meet and talk to about this the more people you realize want to help. It's one of the reasons we believe the problem is solvable because so many people would like to see it solved and that's based in their faith and that's based in wanting to give back and that's also based on just not wanting their neighbors to be hungry, right? It's so, it's so you know, it's an emotional topic and nobody wants people to be hungry, right? Yeah. Well, I remember early on in doing the show, uh, you brought out some statistics. I won't ask you to do that now because I haven't told you I was going to ask you this, but you talked about all the different uh, religions of the world. And if you put them all together, it was a huge tool in the anti-hunger toolbox. Well, it's it's almost every major religion in the world makes an absolute point of saying if you want to be holy, you have to feed your neighbors. You you mm-hmm. can't have a hungry and a holy community. That's the that's the fundamental bottom line. So, you know, there might be differences of opinion about what holiness looks like and what it means and what it means to be committed to it, but the bottom line is this goodness is wrapped up in feeding your hungry neighbors any way you slice it. And we, we didn't say that. Every major religion <laughs> in the world said it, right? We're just quoting. Right, exactly right. Now, you know, now we do say it. But, you know, the point is, you know, um, to be a spokesperson for this issue means to be standing alongside of a lot of people who want the world to be a good and better place. Right, right. And, you know, and I, you know, I know that it, it's in our work, uh, it, a lot centers are around policies. And policies can quickly become political. But I, I want to I be really clear about this. If it's about basic needs, particularly someone who's struggling uh, with food insecurity, that should be only a policy-based conversation. It should never be a political one. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, we understand politics and what it means, and you have different people with different opinions trying to do what they think is right. But one thing we agree about, we all think it's right to feed our hungry neighbors, especially the children and the seniors and the veterans and those people who really um, need us right now so that, you know, we can all live in the community that we want to live in. Right. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's our job to care, and I'm happy to do this show with you, a person who has uh, dedicated uh, your career, your life to this work, and, uh, and those of our other food bankers across the state as well. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to do this work with you and with them. Well, right back at you, Doctor, and I think they would echo my sentiments to say we appreciate your leadership and the things that you're doing to help us be more and better for the people we serve. Well, time for a little food for thought. Thanks, Jerry. Not caring is not an option. It doesn't matter your faith, by what name you call God, or if your faith is not to have faith. It matters not. Caring about something that is bigger than you are and that will last longer than you do is the only path to find both success and significance in life. You can't find either without caring. 
Perhaps you could find success only caring about yourself. I don't know. But I know you'll never find significance. This I promise you. When the shadows get a bit longer in your life, you'll care more about significance than success. So let's get it right now. And start by caring enough to give of yourself. Your time, talent, and treasure are needed to build this movement so that no child, senior, or anyone in between has a day without food. You can join us here each week. Subscribe to our podcast, and that will be the first step in helping us keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.